Welcome to another episode of Two Bros in a Podcast. This is our eighth one. Uh, my name is Greg Jackson, alongside my older brother Brian. And uh, topic of this year, this episode's topic is going to be about Mizzou basketball. Uh, season starts here, I believe, two weeks from this past Friday at home against Iowa State. And uh, Missouri basketball has been in the news a lot this past week, Brian. First off, they had that exhibition game against KU, which everybody's like, oh my gosh, the MUKU rivalry was renewed again. But, you know, not really. I mean, it, it was more about what happened off the court. Yes, the on the court product was great, but the nice part was the rivalry was back. They raised more than $2 million for hurricane relief. And to me, what I liked about it was. You, they had to educate players what MUKU meant because, again, these players, a lot of these players on Missouri's basketball team were in junior high school the last time these two teams met. They, to them, they might not know really the importance of this rivalry unless they grew up in the area. Well, and in all honesty, unless you're like a Kevin Purrier who's from the state, he or Colin, Michael Porter Jr. or Porter Jr., Colin Van Leer, they know about this rivalry. Honestly, though, like they asked Jeremiah Tillman about it, and he's from East St. Louis. And he said, you know, my bra- or the bragging rights is my real border showdown because, I mean, and that will be for him. That that will be a big game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they, well, the final number they released yesterday, 2.011 million. So 2.11 million. Thousand. Yeah, that's, that's big. I mean, that's anytime you can get that off of a single game, that doesn't mean anything. There were no bands, no cheerleaders. This was as basic as you can make a game. And it wasn't really put together with a lot of notice. I want to say it no. took less than two weeks to... I mean, it took them a matter of... I don't even know if it took a matter of multiple minutes. It took a matter of seconds to sell this out on at least Missouri's side. Then they're like, oh, man, we might as well do pay-per-view and, and raise some well, more money. And they raised quite a bit just off the pay-per-view alone. The big thing is they didn't really advertise this. Other than social media and word of mouth, this didn't get out there in any other ways. I mean, you got an email. If you were a booster of either school, you got an email. But this wasn't advertised like normal. I mean, it, and it it was... It was a very big deal to, to to really get both these teams on the same setting. Regardless of what either fan base says about not caring or anything, this was one of the greatest rivalries, if not the greatest rivalry in college basketball. Um, it was, there definitely wasn't one that was more heated because it goes all the way back to the Civil War. Huge rivalry, and it meant a lot to the fans. There were so many there that, that were amped. I mean, it, it was a feeling. I, I wasn't there, but... From from the ones that did attend, the the, the me- members of the media, it was like a game in March. It, it was a, a postseason feeling, and and you know that's that's good. Um, you're right. Outside the stuff that happened off the court was important, but this was good to see on the court. Okay, um, a few takeaways I had. First off, Kansas was a little more advanced, not just talent wise as a team, but Kansas had already gone on a Europe trip this summer. You're allowed one every four years. Mizzou did one a year or two ago, or last year, I think. You're you're allowed to go do that. And and Kansas got, what, those extra 10 days of practice, those extra four or five games. That's huge to do that in the middle of summer. Kansas only dressed eight scholarship players for the game, and that's all they played was those eight players. They played this like a straight-up game. And I'm not saying Missouri didn't, but Missouri rotated 12. And you're not going to see that unless Missouri's beating a team by 30, 40 points. 
It, you're just not going to see that. Missouri will rotate eight or nine players. You're going to see Michael Porter Jr. play more than, what, the 21 minutes or so, I think. 23, he, I think, 23, is what he played. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'll get into more of, of his later, but there, I think there's partly a reason why he didn't play a little more in the second half. But, but like I said, you, you saw a team, Kansas, battle-tested every year. They're usually contending for a Final Four spot every year. And you saw a team in Missouri that went out there and went toe-to-toe for them and threw threw some punches and, and took some back. Missouri was down at one point by 17 and rattled off 10, 11 points in a row to get back in the game. And, and they were really neck and neck for most of the game. I mean, the other thing that – and I think you've pointed this out on Twitter with a Dave Matter tweet was – uh, I mean, both coaches agreed ahead of time they would not play zone defense. And, and right. we know that if Missouri plays Kansas, they're not going to play man-to-man for a full 40 no. minutes. So uh, Missouri, they're, they're, I mean, that, makes a, that made a huge difference. Mizzou will not play man-to-man for an entire game all year. And there are two reasons, okay? One of them is they have so many big guys with – Huge wingspans. Their their starting point guard Blake Harris is six foot five. I don't know what his wingspan is, but it's big. Okay, this reminds me, and not talent wise, so don't don't read too much into that. This reminds me of that. Remember that Kentucky team that came into Missouri Arena with the Harrison twins and three starters at six ten or above. This is what it was like, and they ran a zone, and you couldn't hardly get an entry pass in there with those big wingspans, those tall players. This is what Mizzou can do in a zone. A, a zone. Can be great if you have if you have those tall lanky guys that you, that are just out there like big tree trunks and and disrupting passing lanes. The worst thing you can do is play forty minutes man to man in that style because you're getting those big lanky guys out of position and moving around where they don't want to go. If you can keep them set right there, that can be a very formidable defense. Now Jeremiah Tillman is one of the things I wanted to touch on. A lot of fans, I mean, he had a lot of. He went five for five from the field. Okay, he played physical. He played with reckless abandon, probably too much at times. But a lot of fans will point to, and and one of the things Bill Self had announced was every team is going to get seven fouls in the game. And part of it was he didn't want anybody fouling out. You know, and only getting to play, you know, six, seven minutes because of foul trouble. Well, that benefited Tillman. I think it benefited his team also because when you're only rotating eight, you don't have the fouls to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of fans from Mizzou will point to and worry about Tillman having seven fouls in 13 minutes. He fouled out in 13 minutes with seven fouls. He's not going to – it will be managed a lot closer in – in regular season games, and you will see them playing zone to protect him from that. We knew that. That was his big knock going in, is he can be a liability on defense, not so much because of his aggressiveness, but, well, a little bit because of his aggressiveness, because he can foul actively. And they will work on that. Keep in mind, Mizzou hasn't practiced a lot before this scrimmage. They, they hadn't got out there and practiced a lot, and the practice they, they had done and the workouts over the summer, from what I had heard, it was conditioning. It wasn't working defense, working defense, working defense, like a typical Conzo Martin team. He wanted this team to get in shape because his teams won't normally run and gun. He wants this team running, and he wants them running fast. They have the gunners to do it, and they're capable. You touched on Michael Porter Jr., and I don't think we're going to see too many games where he's only 6-20 from the field. No. He, I mean, I think he showed something that we like is – Missouri has, and I mean, it's hard to call him a big man, but technically he is a big man. A big man that shoots well from the free throw line. And to me, 
Let him go to the basket more often if he's going to shoot 80-plus percent from the line. He went 6 for 20, you're right, but he did still find a way to get 21 points. Right. And on an off night, if he can still find a way to get 20-plus points, that's really good at this level. And especially against a team that, like KU. that was geared up to stop him. The thing he needs to take away from this, and I love seeing him get frustrated about the loss. I know the game didn't count, but this is a guy who doesn't lose. He has not lost since I think it was January or February, his junior year at Tolton. Mm-hmm. He has not lost in that long and well i take that back he's probably with the summer he he lost yeah Yeah. but but he really hasn't lost a regular season game like that in that long he doesn't have to do it all though i think i I was looking at it and out you take away him and jante you take away their two their two stats the team shot 51 percent without the porter brothers that shows me this team is equipped to do it, because and they're going to need that. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a bulletin board guy for opponents. He will be the guy that they're sticking their best defender on, maybe their best two defenders on. He will draw a crowd, and you're going to have to trust the team to to find ways to get their points outside. And what about Jonte? I mean, this kid's 17 years old, and he got 12 rebounds well, against KU. He, he did. One other thing that you, you mentioned about Michael Porter before we move on to Jonte, though, you pointed out that he can be a big guy. He needs to take advantage of his matchups because he is not going to get guarded by a six foot eleven shooting guard very often. Right. Okay. He was getting guarded by a guy who was six five, six six on Kansas, and one time he backed him down and scored out of the post. He didn't do that as much as he should have because that guy guarded him most of the night. And he's got to take advantage of. I've either got a big guy who's not as versatile as me, and I can take him off the perimeter, or I'm going to get a little guy guarding me, and I need to back him down and get my points there. I know he's accustomed to getting them in other ways in AAU and high school. He's got to be smart with his matchups. Mm-hmm. Now, you brought up Jonte, and, and yeah, you're right. 12 rebounds, the thing that prob- was a problem for me, uh, the, the 12 rebounds were huge, but he shot under 35%. And for a guy that big, you can't do that. He can be a monster down low, okay? Uh, but, but a post player, and that's what he is. Yes, he can handle the ball, not as well as his brother. Yes, he can shoot the three, not as well as his brother. But a big guy like that should not be shooting under 50% from the floor because he should be getting a lot of baskets down low. Okay, That's what he needs to know as far as his limitations. He needs. Mm-hmm. I know he can shoot the three. That doesn't mean he needs to be shooting it. Um, it's kind of like a Kevin Perrier. Kevin Perrier can shoot the three. He doesn't need to be shooting it all the time. He was. I, I want to say he was one of one. He was. He only took the one shot. And it, it, to me, that's the best Kevin Perrier. You know what? Yep. If you're not making it after a couple times, don't right, worry about right. somebody else's guy. But you know what? If you hit, if you knock down that first one, I'm okay with you trying one or two more times. But but Jonte settled for threes a couple times, and part of that's his youth. Okay, and and we have to remember he's still very young. He's not going to be 18 until five days after the first game of the year. Okay, he's still 17 years old. He's nor he should be in high school right now. Yeah, not talent wise, but age wise, he should be in high school right now. It's going to be a huge learning curve. Think of what most freshmen go through. Jonte's going to go through it even harder. Okay, because he's going to be facing some. Uh, I'm thinking when he faces like Yante Mayton for Georgia, that guy is he's a grown man playing in the league. 23 years old, he will be. Probably Jonte's biggest test, and and it won't be all Jonte. Okay, Jeremiah Tillman will be guarding him some too, but Jonte's gonna have to grow up pretty quickly. Like by the time conference season starts, I think a lot of people were a little worried about how Robertson was gonna fill in with this year's team, and uh, I think a lot of people were pretty pleased with his overall performance. Cassius Robertson was exactly what this team has needed 
for years. Okay, he's a veteran. He's a confident three-point shooter who's consistent. Who make, he's a three-point shooter who makes his three-pointers. Okay, we've had a bunch of guys that we've heard, oh, they're a great three-point shooter. They make their three-pointers. We we've seen it from guys that came in that were supposed to. We haven't had a guy, and I'm not putting Cassius Robertson in his boat yet, but since Jabari Brown, who you were confident that would go knock down threes, that you would say, you know what, wide open three, I'll put my money down that he'll sink it. The the closest thing we've had since Jabari Brown was a Wes Clark who. It was a far cry from a consistent three-point shooter, but that's the closest thing Mizzou has had between Jabari Brown and this. Cassius Robertson's doing what they If he knocks down two, three, three-pointers a game, that's what they need. And he led the team in minutes. And I think that's because he's a steady presence out there. He is the team's best three-point shooter. He's a career 40, 41% three-point shooter. And if a lot of people look at the starting lineup, they're going to notice, oh, man, we don't see too many of uh, Missouri's returning players in. That didn't matter because Kevin Purrier still came pretty close to leading the team in minutes by the time it was all said and done. Purrier, I think, has a chance to have a big year. Um, Jordan Barnett, and I know I've talked to you about him a lot of, a lot of the time because – Granted, I only saw him play once in high school, but my gosh, the, the the state title game he had against Hickman as a senior at CBC, that was one of the most unreal performances I had ever seen. And I remember looking, seeing Frank Haith down the row in press row, and I'm like, you seriously didn't really go after this kid? He, I, I know he didn't put up... He didn't put up many numbers at Texas, but when I heard he was coming to Missouri, I'm like, he's going to be a difference maker. He, well, was, he is that good. I will say this about... I will say this about Jordan Barnett. You take away Michael Porter Jr., and I do think he is the most versatile player on this team. He can play anywhere from the two to the four, and he played the five some last year, and he's not a five. He's really not a four, but he can do it. If you look at him, he's really chiseled down, and and I don't know if bulked up a little bit, but he is he built up his upper body strength. I mean, the guy looks like he lived in the weight room on, in the offseason, and he took a lot of focal he was the focal point for a lot of defenses last year not because he was great but he was the best player on our team for a stretch of the season Mm -hmm. and honestly he doesn't have to be anymore he doesn't have to be he can go do what he does he can be a slasher he can be a spot-up shooter on the on the elbow whatever but he can be that guy and and that's very valuable i wasn't sure i i was thinking one to two of kim's holdovers would start and honestly, I thought it would be one, and it would be either... I, I was a little surprised. I thought it would be Terrence Phillips. I, if it was going to be two, it was going to be Terrence Phillips. I wasn't sure if Blake Harris would overtake him. But the other one was either going to be Kevin Perrier or Jordan Barnett. And I think part of that depends on where Conzo is going to want Porter Jr. to play. If he wants him playing the four, Barnett's going to start and play the two. If he wants him playing the two, Perrier's going to start and play the four. So that this lineup, I don't think, will always be the lineup. No. And the thing about Terrence Phillips is he's not going to, I mean, what hurt him last year, I thought, was he handled the ball way too much, which led to, I mean, let's, let's be honest, the more he handled the ball, the more likely he already make a turnover. And or make multi or lead the team in turnovers again that's going to happen and he had a hard time keeping his assist to turnover ratio we're going to see him play a little less but i do think he's going to have more productive well, minutes this year and that's one of the notes i had made about he and per year is the less is more okay you can get more out of those two by playing them a little less and, and what i mean by that is last year those two had to push it way more than they should have some, a lot of Kim's players were playing way bigger roles than they should have played on a on a high level power conference team. Okay, Terrence Phillips 
maybe could have started for some. Kevin Perrier probably wasn't a starter for most of your power conference teams, like your your top 25 teams. They, they just weren't. And that's not a knock on the guys. You have a ceiling, okay? And what I'm saying is these guys' ceilings could get elevated because of who they're playing with, and they have to do less. Or they, they, they need less from them. They... They're... Terrence Phillips doesn't have to play 30-plus minutes a game. Perrier doesn't have to play 30-plus minutes a game. And that's fine. You don't, you know, they they will succeed doing what they're doing right now. And, and that's good, okay? That puts less pressure on these two and on Jordan Barnett, okay? And I, I kind of wondered, and, and this is probably something we won't realize until maybe a little later in the year, but how Terrence Phillips and Kevin Perrier will do accepting a lesser role will they be able to accept it will they cope with it okay i don't know i mean you know i really wondered when they had them come in they when porter jr and when um blake harris came in for an official visit they they had terrence phillips showing around not kevin perrier and i worried at that time okay is kevin perrier seeing this as i'm losing some minutes because of who we're bringing in they seem both bought in. Now, this is early, and there's hype, and we haven't suffered a loss yet. But I'll be curious to see how that goes. The no, and these guys are also – everybody's going to get plenty of minutes during the non-conference right. schedule. Oh, yeah. Because they, okay, they in, in, in the past, they were nervous about winning games in the non-conference schedule. They, they, and before we talk about this schedule, it, once we go through it, we're going to breeze through the non-conference just because we only expect them to lose one, maybe two non-conference right. games, and that's because it's against power programs. Well, I, I will say, and what I want them to take time – I hope they take time to work on in, in non-con – is defense okay some fans have said lack of defense you know what defense again like i said hasn't been a big focal point i know they give up 93 points to kansas but i wasn't expecting them to go out and play grinded out hardcore defense in no. an exhibition game when they hadn't been practicing that much and let's be honest the reason kansas got that high was man they played really well the first 10 minutes of the second they half. Did. i mean missouri did. was up 44 40 at halftime they did um, so, uh, like I said, there's a lot of games they can work on things early on. So let's let's go ahead and jump into the schedule. And like you said, uh, about uh, half to two thirds of these games, we're going to be able to just breeze through. Okay, but that the game we've been circling even before Porter came in, a lot of fans got excited about him. Opened up against Iowa State, the home and home series we got with him. That was a lot of alumni's biggest qualm was we weren't playing those teams we had rivalries with before from mm -hmm. the big eight the old big eight and iowa state's one of them and i was even gonna say and it's uh, to me and i know i did it and i'm sure a lot of missouri fans did it especially during the past three years when missouri struggled i live vicariously through iowa state yeah. because that iowa state was the team that reminded me of missouri before they left the big 12 now, and i mean it, it was one of those where you wanted to see them do well you knew they were the ones that could beat kansas during the regular season you wanted yeah. to see it happen and you knew they were always gonna have a top 25 caliber program um you know i don't care if it if fred hoiberg had left left them for chicago they're still a great ball club with or without them. they were better with him now but they're still gonna keep getting top 20 25 recruiting top 25 classes year in year out I, I will say and i know you might not have gone as in-depth on this but i went ahead and went down the regular season and i had them at a 22 and 9 record prior to seeing the exhibition game 
I've only upped it a game. It's 23 and 8 now, and I hope I'm on the low side because I have tempered expectations. We have a lot of freshmen that are going to be growing pains. What's going to happen? How are they going to respond to a loss that mm-hmm. you know that matters? But this this first game against Iowa State was a game that I flipped. That was the one game I flipped that I was just thinking, okay, they're coming in. They don't have a real exhibition game on the schedule. And how are they going to play together? And I had that actually. I originally had that opening out as the loss. After looking into it further, I mean, Iowa State did lose a lot, and I still thought they'd be able to to come back from that. But after seeing how Missouri played Kansas, and they're going to open up in front of a packed house, I think they open up with a win against Iowa State. And I, I do want to note they don't have any exhibition games on the schedule outside of Kansas. They are playing close scrimmages. I want to say against Wisconsin, Wisconsin and Missouri. Wisconsin, State. they're actually playing today in Quad Cities up in Iowa. And they are playing Missouri State either next, I want to say it's next Friday, Thursday, Fridays. It's the 3rd or the 5th. So either Friday or Sunday is when they're playing Missouri State. And I'm guessing that will be at Mizzou Arena. But I'm not sure about that. Um, but, but those are the two. And, and word will get out how they looked in that. I know they keep it secret. Nobody attends. The media usually finds out how they look. And to me, I'm more curious of what they do today against Wisconsin. Because, I, I mean, that's pretty impressive when I get you're going to have – and I mean, you're going to have some close scrimmages. They've played uh, – I want to say last year they might have played Creighton. And that was actually a – that was a close ball game until mm-hmm. – uh, they lost by 13, but they kept it close, I want to say, for the most part. Well, the – and maybe it wasn't last year. I thought I remember playing Creighton another time. Maybe it was two years ago, and it wasn't close. Right. I mean, it it was troublesome that that they were playing a Creighton team that was so so, but it wasn't looking good. So that's uh, so. What, what's your take on the Iowa State game? You're also calling a win. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll call a win. And I know a lot of people are going to say SEC Network. What's going on? I mean, it's a Friday night uh, again. You know, Friday's you're, hard... you're going to have Friday college football games that are going to take precedence. Well, but at the same time. It, it's going to be probably the biggest college basketball game that night across the there, nation. There are others. Let, let's be honest. There are going to be some big openers. That's that's when everybody starts, that Friday night. So the ESPN networks have gotten filled up with plenty of other games. And, and let's be honest. The only reason the game's on a Friday is because Missouri has a home football game that weekend. This is before well, all the news happened with the, the recruitment class. They were trying to get as many fans to this game as possible. Keep Now that's not going to be a problem. Keep in mind, though, that's been the norm the last two, three years. Every team has started typically on a Friday because that's the first game you're allowed to do it. And so they want to get that first one in, and that way you have the whole weekend to work on it. you don't want to compete with the college football schedule. Right. But, but I think that's why college basketball decided we're going to make this Friday night. That's the first game you can play. It's always like the second Friday in November. And you go. Yeah. Um, I think we're both going to chalk up a win for Wagner. The Utah game has me intrigued. And I, I don't think Utah is as good as they have been. But That's a it, tough place but to it's play. But it's a tough road atmosphere, I would imagine. And and to me, I'll be kind of curious to see what they do in a game like that. Do they win by little? Do they win by like 10, 12, or 15? How well will they perform on, this, on in their first true road This is game? the one loss I have them down for that I'm most borderline about. I think they can go in there and win. That doesn't mean they will. And I actually have this one penciled in as a loss. It's a tough road environment, at least at Sprint Center. I know they played Kansas, but they had 9,000 fans on their side, okay, which is about as big as a lot of basketball arenas are in, in America anyway. But they will. it will be, I don't know about hostile, but it will be, it will be raucous. I mean, the, the, a team that's got the number one freshman in the country by a lot of 
outlets will be coming in. They they will be ready for Missouri, and I think that could potentially be their first loss. Yeah, I mean, you've got, also got the elevation factor. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like whenever you went and played at Colorado in yep. the past, and you had to deal with the elevation. There's just it, a lot gonna, of factors yeah. there that are going to be tough for a team that's playing a lot of freshmen to overcome. Um, you've got Emporia State, which, I mean, I cover the MIAA. I'm... I'm just flabbergasted that this is not an exhibition game. There've been a lot of teams doing season, it though. But I mean, kudos to. I mean, I'm glad they got a team like that on there. Uh, that will be. I want to say that well, might be their only game this season if, that is not on television. If you look at the schedule, that was one they had to squeeze in there somewhere. And sometimes it's harder finding one of those lower level teams to squeeze in. You're right. That's on SEC Network Plus. That's going to be the only one that you can't find on a normal cable package. Um, so after that, they go to the Avacare Invitational, um, and they start off against Long Beach State, which uh, 10.30 a.m. tip-off on Thanksgiving Day, I don't think that should be any problem. No, and then they should beat either St. John's or Oregon State. I, I'm, and I'm I calling think, it it's going to be Oregon and State. And I think we're anticipating them playing West Virginia for the title. Well, the other side is Central Florida against Nebraska, which Missouri already plays Central Florida. And West Virginia and Marist. West Virginia is going to cakewalk into the semis, and they're going to roll over either Central Florida or Nebraska. Uh, the, Probably Central Florida. I want to more than it. likely they're, they're returning uh, NIT champions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's who it's going to be. So um, you know, and I don't think they're there yet for West Virginia. No, but again, not. this is a cal- this is a ball club. To me, this is perfect. They're not in the Big Twelve SEC Challenge. To me, if they do get to face West Virginia, treat it like that. You're finally yeah. getting to play a, a high caliber Big well, Twelve the, opponent. The plus side is they get a day off between the St. John or Oregon State game and then playing West Virginia if mm-hmm. they win two in a row. And I'm gonna tell you right now that will be the most laborsome game they'll play all year. West Virginia's press defense will come and hit them in the mouth repeatedly. And I, for one, hope I see that matchup because I would love to see how this team matches up with it. They have the length that against a good full-court press, you can pass over the top of. It's dangerous, but you can do it. And when you have ball handlers like the Porter brothers, um, like Jordan Barnett, who are tall enough that you can pass over the top of of a press... You can really make stuff happen, okay? Mm -hmm. You want to turn that press into a three-dimensional game. And I can tell you right now, if you're doing a two-dimensional game where you're dribbling or bounce passing or chest passing really low, that makes it really tough to beat them. But if you can take that third dimension into it, they can take advantage of it, and I want to see that matchup more than anything. Now, that's not saying it's going to be a cakewalk for Mizzou, but they got a really good draw. And then they've got to stay. I mean, they're, I don't know if they're going to come, if they're going to come back, but they down. might as well stay out there and play UCF. And to me, that's going to be a tough matchup. I'm, I, I can't remember off the top of my head if they're going to have that 7-6. Taco six Fall. In, in, I mean, Is it 7-6 or 7-4? I want to say 7-6. It could be 7-4, but either way. Either way. Nobody's like, MU's tallest player is still going to be four or five inches shorter than him. Yeah. And there's a reason why they won the NIT. I mean, nobody in the NIT had a player like him in. Inside, and he made a big difference. Well, and, and again, you look at their two non-conference road games; those are tough road games. But if you go back and watch those games, Taco Fall didn't make as big a difference as you'd think a kid his size would. I mean, he's—it was the intimidation factor. It was. He's—he plays. I still think. Not that he plays below the rim, but boy, if you could play below the rim at seven six, I think he does at times. I think he he plays flat footed and he can be beaten. And I think the athleticism of Missouri will will take them to a win on that. So so I've got them sitting at two losses so far at Utah and, and Central it's Florida. Your typical you, you got a the, four the, game the, stretch. It's a typical fall semester's wrapping up. Let's get our let's get our wins in pretty quickly got, here in December. Within within a two week span, they got Miami of Ohio, Green Bay, North Florida, and Stephen F. Austin. And here's something you don't see very often. Miami of Ohio came to 
in Missouri last year. You don't see that very often where a team will come back and play you back-to-back seasons on right, the road. Right, uh, But But, you know... Well, you pay them enough for a guarantee yeah. game, they'll do it. But that's that's four more wins. And Stephen F. Austin will be a good one because that is an NCAA tournament team. Actually, now, granted, they, I mean, I know they win 27, 28 games, and a lot of people will say, well, their conference isn't challenging. They've been teams a good are scared of them in the 5, 12, or 6, 11 games. They're, that's going to be a good game. They have back-to-back Saturday games of teams that have been in the tournament between Green Bay and North Florida. Neither one of those are necessarily pushovers. They will. You're going to have to still treat them, go out and treat them like normal to start off. And, and you really just want to knock these teams down in the first 10 minutes and, and just keep them down. Okay? And give yourself time to work on things. But that should be a four-game home winning streak there. The, the Illinois game, which, oh my gosh, I think we're finally looking forward to seeing a full house at Scott Trade this year. Well, not only that, but when both teams are actually legit. Oh my gosh, I, it was one of those where tickets were going to be so, I mean, it got to the point where it was so easy to get tickets. Now it's going to be so difficult for fans to want to get tickets this year. And I mean, like we were talking about, we were a little surprised at how empty, particularly the lower bowl was. Yeah. I mean, I can understand the upper deck being empty. It was well, we two had no trouble. We had no trouble getting 10 Ten rows from the court. Oh man, but this year it's going to be so hard well, for fans to get tickets. I mean, it's going to be right before Christmas. It's going to be a Saturday night affair, and you're gonna you're gonna have two teams that are some animosity now. Of the, yeah. There's still animosity now because Missouri was able to flip Jeremiah Tillman, and actually there's a another player that's coming in next year. Mm-hmm. Oh, his name slips my mind. But but Missouri's flipped two Illinois commits. Is it Watson? Or? No, 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 not Watson. Okay. He was he was looking at, at a different Big Ten school, but. But so you've got a couple of and, and then Illinois fans are really irritated because Jeremiah Tillman had signed a letter of intent and then he had reconfirmed it after Underwood was announced and then all of a sudden he backed out. Mm-hmm. And I know there's going to be some fans claiming that there was some under the table stuff. I don't think there was. It's simple as Conzo going to the coach and saying, "Hey, you know, I I know some things have changed with the school. If he would be interested in talking." I can't do it necessarily while he's committed, but he can seek me out. And, you know, it. it's hard to say how that would have played out if Konzo was here before, you know, and was the one recruiting him. All right, so that gets us all the way through. So I, I, I do think Missouri closes that out with a win. So I, I've got them sitting at 11-2 and two non-con. Okay, now, Woody, it looks like here you've got them starting off the conference season 0-2, though. I, you know... South Carolina is their first game non-con. It's on the road, a Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, primetime game. South Carolina was picked by the coaches as 11th in the SEC. They are going to come in. Nobody is better at getting players to play angry with a chip on their shoulder than Frank Martin. He will have that team ready to go. And I'm going to tell you right now, if Missouri doesn't see a raucous environment at Utah, at Central Florida, they will see one at South Carolina because this team – will be fired up. That team is not the 11th best team in the conference. And then they host Florida for their first Which, conference game. Florida's that's a top a 10 t- team in that, my And mind. by the way, that one's going to be one of the two games K- they play on KRC, or on CBS. Kayvon I mean, Allen, Allen is the real deal for Florida. And I'm not saying I would be surprised if Mizzou wins either of those games. That is about the hardest way without playing Kentucky to start the non or to start the conference season. I agree. It, it is very difficult. South Carolina is such a tough team, especially at home. And then Florida, you get them at your home place, but they're Florida. They've been great. So I yes, I do have them starting out zero and two in conference. I hope I'm wrong. 
But again, we're a young team. We're going on the road against a team that you don't want to play on the road. And then we're going against the second best team in the SEC. All right, then you've got them beating Georgia at home, winning on the road at Arkansas, which I imagine that'll be another uh, raucous environment. You got winning at home against Tennessee, winning on the road at A&M. Uh, winning at home against Auburn and then winning on the road at Mississippi State. Here comes another tough well, one with well, Alabama, who has one of the top recruiting classes. Honestly, I, I wrestled with the road game at AM. AM is going to be a good team. And they, if I remember right, they've been giving Kentucky this, a lot of That troubles. was the one win I thought the most about, actually, was the road game at AM. That's going to be a tough game, okay? They, they've been a very good team. They've got some experienced post players. I mean, they could give Missouri fits that night. So, I could see that going either way. I did have it at a win, but yes, I don't have them losing again till the Wednesday night, January 31st game at Tuscaloosa against Alabama. And and Bama, this is another game that could this I can see this is the AM game flip-flopping. Bama's a, a good team. They have good recruiting classes. They just haven't put it together yet. They've not been better than a, a fifth or sixth place team when they might have the third best roster in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I I just I, I'm not sure if 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 they're going to get it put together, um, Avery Johnson's a good coach. Um, as, as been we, we've told, we've, we've seen from what he's done in the NBA. He's a good recruiter. What we've done so far. The question will be if he can put it together this year because those fans are going to start getting impatient if they keep getting top ten recruiting classes and doing nothing with it. All right, then you've got another tough game to follow that home against Kentucky, and this is the one where, man, if, if Missouri Arena is going to be packed this season, this is the one where it's going to be a hard time finding a ticket to. Well, I what I'll be curious is Kentucky fans always travel very well for basketball, and, and they haven't played the, they haven't played here yet where I haven't seen three four thousand Kentucky fans in this stadium. I'll be curious to see how many of them are able to get also, tickets. Also, this is the other CBS game, and yep. so it's a Saturday afternoon affair. And I, I think you have this one penciled down as a loss, and I agree. I don't I, think they're quite there with Kentucky yet. I think they'll compete, but I don't I – mean, and here's the thing. I, I think if there's a chance for them – I'm looking at your the teams you have marked with a loss. I feel like if there's a chance for them to score an upset, it oh, would this, be this This one. would be it. Here's the deal. Um Missouri in this game will have the best player on the court. It's a lot like the Kansas game. Missouri will have the best player on the court. The next four, five, maybe six best players will be on the other team. Mm-hmm. Okay, that means you have to have a good team game. You're, you're. I, I don't want to call them um, sideshow players, but I mean, your supporting cast has to really step up and play a solid game to have a chance to win that. I think Missouri can hang with them. But and this is their best shot. Don't get me wrong. This will be their best shot to beat Kentucky since moving to the SEC. I don't know if they're there uh, yet. You know, but I was. I know they had. They, they went overtime that one I time. Know. I went out there to Rupp Arena, and really that was a game where they. I agree with you. They shouldn't have won. No. But when you look at the game, the way it unfolded, they should have won. Well, but I'm saying on paper, I, yeah, on this paper, is the closest right. we'll come to beating Kentucky since we joined the All SEC. All right. So they'll follow that up with the road game to wrap up the home and home with, uh, or no, the start of home and home with Ole Miss. They should win that one on the road. They wrap up a home and home following that with the win against Mississippi State. Then they another wrapping up of. Home and home beat Texas A&M. Uh, I'll be curious to see how they do against LSU. They should win that one. I mean, LSU LSU, LSU is picked by far as the worst team in the SEC. And really, they haven't. I mean, even when they had Ben Simmons, they weren't that great. Well, they, they haven't. They've been one of the worst SEC teams ever since. Without the they don't have the Antonio Blakeney. Uh, Antonio Blakeney was on a bad team last year, a team that tied Missouri for for 
the bottom of the of the SEC. I mean, Missouri didn't have anything as far as you know standout talent. LSU had Antonio Blakeney, who's a top twenty recruit that Mizzou was going after, you know, way back when, uh, a couple years ago. So they should win that game, even on the road, fairly easily. They got Ole Miss at home to close out that series. They should win that. Then they're going on a pivotal two game road trip close to the end of the year. At Kentucky and at Vandy, and actually, these are the last two losses I have them in the regular season. Now, Vandy, I think they could win. Okay, mm-hmm. Missouri's just never really played very well at Vandy; they just haven't. At Kentucky, I boy, that's going to be hard on the road at Rupp Arena with twenty thousand fans. Twenty-four. I mean, well, it's, yeah, twenty plus. Yeah, that's going to be very difficult. I think they could beat Vandy at Vandy. But we just haven't played well there. It's Vandy seems to always pull out a game, and, and so if there's a lot, another loss I could see flipping. Yeah, this could be it. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we lost that. Right. Game. And then you wrap up the season at home against Arkansas. I mean, they'll be amped up for that one. They should win that. And then so so that then. has that has them at twenty three and eight, which twenty three and eight, and that's what one two three four five six. So that's that's twelve and six in conference. That's probably good enough for to get a first round buy. They'll get a first four. round buy. I don't know if they'll be top four with or, that. They, really? they could, I, that. That I has mean. them on the cusp of four and five. And here's the thing with that: if you're on the cusp of four and five. It's okay to take the five seed because you get yourself another win. Hey, and on the plus side at this point, they're not playing a playing game. Right. But but you know what I mean? If yeah. if they it, it, well, it they like, get the twelve seed. It was like with the big twelve. Why would you want to be the four? Because the five gets played twelve, they get an extra game in. It, it, right. I agree. It's the same thing with the SEC. It, it, it can wear you down. But man, I tell you right now. And I'd almost rather than be the five because guess where the SEC tournament is this year? St. Louis. It's in St. Louis, so you get more fans there. You get yep. the, you get the well, fan base that your. I, I mean, they're gonna bring the house for every game they have. Let, let's put it this way: if twelve and six puts them at a tie for fourth and fifth, I hope we lose the tiebreaker because Missouri can use anymore nowadays. You can use every win you can take to show the committee, hey, we're we're there. Okay, we're ready. It, it never hurts to have a win, and I know you can still do that as a four seed. Uh, but but every game should be a veritable home game for Mizzou unless they're playing Kentucky at the SEC tournament. And you hope they can pick up at least a couple of game, a couple of wins in the SEC tournament. That way, that gets you to twenty five. That should get you in. And I again, mean, they, they have a good chance of being a top twenty five team by the end of the season. They could anyway. be better than twenty three and eight uh, regular season too. I I could be a. Little, but we also could pick them to win some games that they're probably going to lose. Because let's let's be honest, there will I mean, be a letdown. Your, your good teams are going to lose one or two games they shouldn't lose. Like I said, I felt like twenty three and eight was a very conservative record to put them on, but I think they could be twenty five and six. Uh, you know, I think it'll be in that twenty three to twenty five range. But again, we're putting a lot of stock in a lot of youth, and I think honestly, Missouri just needs to get in the tournament because they will be a team based on their versatility, their depth, their length. Teams will not want to see Missouri across from them in, in the NCAA tournament. And if we learned anything from South Carolina last year. All you got to do is get hot, and any team can beat any team, save for a 16 seed. But it, you can't. If Missouri gets in there, they can wreck a bracket. If as a you know as an 11 seed, as a heck as a seven seed, they could wreck a bracket. And one of the things I wanted to talk about because a lot of fans want to see MUKU play. Let's be honest; it's not going to happen the regular season as long as Bill Self's coach. And at the same time. I, I get it. I don't blame him. MU had a business decision to make to either stay in the Big 12 or go to the SEC. To me, I, ma- I thought they made the smart business decision. It did result in a breakup of a rivalry with KU. Here's the thing. And one of the things I looked up, because that's my column this week for, for the Jefferson City News Tribune, is 
how as long as Bill Self is there coaching, they will not play in the regular season. What, how can they find a way to play? Well, the first one is the Big 12 SEC Challenge. They're obviously not playing that this year. I don't know if they're going to get paired in that well, at all. Here's why I don't think they ever will in that. Because ESPN has a deal with both conferences for, for television rights. Mm-hmm. And who's your biggest player as far as basketball in the Big 12. It's Kansas. ESPN will not want to tick them off by setting them up against Mizzou. They will always set Kansas up against a Florida, against a Kentucky, maybe against one of those other teams if they start playing better. But I think it will always rotate between those two teams. I think the only way you're going to see these two teams play when it counts is if they both make the tournament and you're going to see the committee and, do and that. And here's why I bring that up. Because since the, the Missouri has left the Big 12, I went back and looked. They have played Kansas twice in the NCAA tournament in women's soccer. Now, I think they've split. They won one yes. and lost one. They played them in softball in 2015. They won both in games in the regional too, and in volleyball, in which they lost the, the first the, round. The committee so loves the, the, to do this. They want, and my thing is, let's say well, Kansas they, is a one seed and Missouri is a four seed. They are gonna put them in, they're going to put them in that Omaha region. Well, here, here's, well, and again, here's the thing. You're, they the committee loves to do this. They did it with Kansas or and uh, Wichita State because Bill Self didn't want to play them. And I get it. That's the same way with Missouri and SLU. Missouri doesn't want to play SLU. I get it because if we beat SLU, you're supposed to beat SLU. And if you lose to them, you just lost to your little brother. Way to go. Okay, so it does not benefit Mizzou. And so I get it that it doesn't benefit Kansas until this year. It does benefit them t- this year. And maybe going forward if Mizzou turns a new page. But I do think if they both make the tournament, they will be in the same bracket. It's going to happen. Right. I don't think it'll be in the first or second round. And I'm look. I mean, if Kansas is a one seed or whatever seed there are, I think there's well, one of the first round sites is Wichita. They're going to get sent to Wichita. If, I don't think Missouri and Kansas will meet that early. I do think that they're going to look ahead and – Missouri's going to probably be placed in the Omaha region if, because Kansas will be in the Omaha region. If Missouri's on that 8-9 line – you can bet oh, if, uh, if, yeah. if they're there and Kansas is a one. But, but fans will find that a huge disappointment, I think. I don't think they will. I do think... If I'm a fan, I want to play them, and I want to play them as soon as possible. I don't care if it's a first-round matchup. I want them now. Because, again, that's a team... Kansas does not want to see Missouri, and it's because... Missouri has nothing to lose. Oh, we're a team that just came from three straight seasons of nine, ten, and eight wins... And we're playing with house money right now. And we're going to come out and take our biggest swing. And all we want is a puncher's chance. And if we knock you down, guess what? You just got taken for another first round loss. Do you think it's more likely if, let's say, Kansas is a two seed and Missouri is a six seed? Which do you think is more likely? Kansas a two, Missouri a six, or Kansas a one and Missouri like a five? I'm still not sold Kansas is going to be a one seed because they just don't have a lot of depth. And, again, I still think they'll win the Big 12. But that depth can wear you down and lose a few games you maybe shouldn't lose, okay? And while you don't have the typical Iowa State that you normally have, West Virginia will take advantage of that lack of depth, mm-hmm. okay? And that's twice you're going to have to play Iowa West State Virginia. Iowa State will probably take advantage of it, too, if they get the chance. Right. But, but again, you have to play that press from West Virginia twice, okay? And with an eight-man rotation, that is hard to do, mm-hmm. okay? that You need depth to play West Virginia. Um you know, Texas, I think, will be a little bit better. I think Oklahoma and will TCU, be solid. TCU, which was you know a, a big player in the NIT tournament in the NIT yeah. this past year, but but I think um, I think 
Oklahoma will be solid. They've got a really good guard down there in Trey Young. Um, so I don't think I think the best way it's going to happen is for Kansas to be a two seed and Missouri to be a six or seven if they're going to meet early on. And I think it could happen. So bottom line, we're, I think we're in agreement that Missouri will make the tournament this year. Their seed, I mean, it, that's got to be your goal because you want to capitalize on the one year you're going to have Michael Porter Jr. And I don't care what he says on uh, what what he says to the media or anything like that. He's not staying more than one year. I I would bet so much money that he will not stay for more than a year. You've got to capitalize on that. You've got to maximize your return on that one year of Michael Porter Jr. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you later.